Hey everyone, just a reminder that we are recording remotely while we're quarantined, uh, so the sound might be slightly compromised, but hopefully not too bad. Enjoy! Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And just a reminder, if you're enjoying our show, to rate and review us um, on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about us, um, reviews, especially five star reviews if you like it but really just reviews and um and comments are really helpful it helps other people like-minded people find the pod um for example um anonymous Notbot gave us five stars and said so refreshing in today's world uh insightful without being preachy informative but still engaging these ladies are awesome it's so refreshing to hear their take on the craziness of today and realize i'm not alone i learn something new pretty much every episode i applaud them for doing something different a podcast that addresses the heavy meaningful issues of our time in simple conversations keep up the good work Thanks, Anonymous Napa. Thanks, Anonymous Napa. <laughs> that feels really nice. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. I mean, any oh, just positive reviews really make our day. So thank you yeah. for that. We've got all kinds of uh, schemes in the in the pipeline to bring you even better shit in the future. Yeah. So if you yeah. want to write a one star, two star, three star, <laughs> four star review, maybe wait and see what we have to offer and then write a review. But if you think we're five stars, write a review, but we're not censoring anything. So do what you want to do. <laughs> do what you want. But um, yeah, we, we've had some, some inspiring convos recently that have um, just, I think it's been hard. It's been hard through the pandemic to just basically keep, just keep going. I mean, I think with everything, so it's been, um, I've just been proud of us for like, you know, making uh, an episode, being here. (laughs) I mean, we've done an episode every week for two and a half years. Um, Yeah, which is... It's pretty, yeah, that is like, that's a lot. So, you know, we're, we're, we have some new things in the work as Aaron said, and um, we're excited to kind of bring them to you. Um, It's Women's History Month. Um, Um, so we just wanted to, uh, shout out another, um, awesome podcast about women's history. Um, it's called what's her name. And it's a women's history podcast hosted and produced by academic sisters, Dr. Katie Nelson and Olivia Meckley. I hope I said that right. Uh, committed to reclaiming forgotten history. What's her name tells the story of fascinating women you've never heard of, but should have. Uh, through compelling interviews with guest historians, writers, scholars, Olivia and Katie bring to life the lost women of history. Fascinating and funny, thought-provoking and thoughtful. What's her name restores women's voices to the conversation. Um, they have a lot of different, um, I mean, their episodes are great. Uh, and they also have some pretty cool merch, including trading cards, like women's history trading cards. Um, uh, it's, there are different seasons on, and you can find them on Etsy and, um, 
I just think they're, I mean, they're so fun. Um, and they all have like different women on them. So anyway, that is what's her name podcast. Um, check them out. Women cards. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we dive into men doing bad things, (laughs) um, a bit of good news about, COVID vaccine wise, and we have plenty of bad news about COVID. I'm sure we continue. We'll continue to. Um, it looks like we should have enough vaccines. This isn't to say that we have the infrastructure or the people to to give them out, but we should have enough vaccines by the end of May for everyone who is an adult in the United States. Mm. Um, which is a very big deal. The last sort of promise by the Biden administration was by the end of July. So this is significant um, due in large part to the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And just to quickly kind of dissuade, not dissuade, but speak to the the rumors and misconceptions around it. There's this idea that it's a worse vaccine and that won't protect you like the others do. And there's a grain of truth to it in that it's you know, 72% effective versus 80 something or 90 something for the Moderna and the Pfizer in the United States when you're thinking about uh, preventing moderate illness. Uh, But when you go to severe illness and death, it's the same. So basically, if you get the Johnson Johnson, the Moderna or the Pfizer, you're not going to die from COVID. You're not going to get severely ill from COVID. Um, And the benefits of Johnson Johnson is that it's it's one shot and then it can be refrigerated in a normal refrigerator for for a good period of time. Um, So it's not, I mean, it's... Yeah, sure. All things be equal. People would prefer other vaccines likely because no one wants to get moderately sick. But (laughs) also, I mean, there are some side effects from the other vaccines, too, when you get two doses. So it's in terms of uh, protecting and and preventing, um, it's just as good as the others. So Hmm. whatever you can get your little paws on, get your paws on it. And we'll probably need booster shots regardless of what shot you get because of the variants. So. Johnson yeah. Johnson is not a shitty lesser version. It's just a different version that has pros and cons. Yeah. Just get whatever shot is offered. <laughs> whatever <laughs> shot is available. Whatever, whatever syringes you're seeing. <laughs> just take it. <laughs> it's uh, fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, a little a little glimmer of hope. I mean, yeah. Plenty of bullshit going on around COVID as well, but that's positive. And at some point right. we should probably get into foreign policy and Biden and certain things that are happening but we're not doing that this week because we have a different topic this week don't we <laughs> we do we do I know that oh my goodness there was a funny TikTok that was like oh I'm so excited about the Biden administration yay things are going to change and then it's like no minimum wage or no no increased minimum wage probably not going to get rid of the filibuster probably not like struggling to pass any COVID relief um and then we're bombing Syria <laughs> like what <laughs> Oh, and like slightly more comfortable cages for children. Yeah. So it was just like, uh, anyway, but we'll get all into all oh, that yeah, in a different we episode. Get into the cages too. And like yeah. the, the, the different, the important they are differences, different. Yeah. the important differences. <laughs> and the, we, yeah, we'll get into whole disappointments and what we're proud of so far with the Biden administration and upcoming episode. I've declared. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is <definition>. so. <laughs> we have too many white men to shout about this week to get into JoJo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <sighs> Madison Cawthorn. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you want to dive in? You want to want to get into yeah. this man? Yeah. Sketchy, sketchy man. Yeah. So Madison Cawthorn. Um, 
youngest member of Congress ever, I think at age 25 when he was elected. Should be um, cool if he was a good dude. <laughs> yeah, it would be cool. It would be cool. Um, he ended up beating um, Trump's actually preferred candidate initially uh, in the Republican primary by leaning into all the things that Trump you know, all of the, you know, hatred, misogyny, just gen- xenophobia, all, all of the awful stuff he leaned into. And so he actually won that primary and then won the um, district. Um, and then, of course, spoke at Trump's restore the what was, what was his insurrection rally? I don't even remember what it's called. Which like, one? <laughs> I heard the, the one that was the one that incited the violence on the Capitol directly. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, well, January 6th. Yeah. Where Madison Hawthorne um, himself actually also looked like a member of, like, the Hitler youth. I mean, he, yeah, he looked really, really leaned into, like, a white supremacist vibe that day. Anyway, um, he, there has been a lot of... um, reports of him harassing women in college and outright assaulting them. Mm -hmm. Um, This was at Patrick Henry uh, College, a small uh, Christian college in uh, Northern Virginia. Um, And a lot of his former classmates um, remember a very specific brand of of harassment Mm -hmm. and endangerment where he would get um, women in to his car and then drive very recklessly and ask them inappropriate questions and make them feel like they should like do things that they're not comfortable doing. And as they sort of declined or, you know, tried to change the subject, he got um, angry and um, vicious basically as he sort of drove even more erratically, which is disturbing on a number of levels, but like, there's sort of an irony to that since he was in a car crash that partially paralyzed him as a teenager that he would go yeah. to like reckless driving specifically is just sort of mm, weird it's a me. choice it's a yeah. choice um <laughs> yeah and like you said he had a very specific mo uh one one of some of the people that came forward were anonymous um one person who came forward with her name uh caitlin coulter uh not no, no known relationship to ann coulter that i'm aware of uh <laughs> Ann Coulter. God, we should do, what's she up to? I'm sure awful what's things. She up to? Um, but Caitlin Coulter said that his MO was to take out vulnerable women on rides with him in his car and to make advances, basically. Um, he would call it a fun drive. And she said she was taken on one of these quote unquote fun drives with him. And he would drive to some location like you know make out point or i think of pleasantville and whatever that place was mm-hmm. um and apparently he asked her about her purity ring and her sexual experiences she felt really uncomfortable and she shut down the conversation at that point he got really upset and started driving back she said around 80 miles an hour on one lane roads and it was really scary of course so basically he takes these women to these places yeah gets rejected and then makes them fear for their lives um mm-hmm. which is great and then other women uh this particular is from a CNN article and they spoke to two other women that went to school with him, uh, both of whom mentioned his invitations on these again, fun drives and said that turning him down resulted in him giving them even more unwanted attention, kind of pestering them. Um, mm-hmm. There was a student Leah Petrie at the school who said there was a lot of sexual innuendo. I got really uncomfortable walking to and fro class he, fr- from not fro. <laughs> it's not what any human being says. 
uh, and she said that he would yell out, are you ready to take that fun drive today? Um, she said the pestering continued. The attention is not what I wanted. And other women have also come forward to say that at least two other women that he had forcibly kissed or touched them years ago. I just like give you a sense of like the <laughs> consensus of how shitty this person is. Mm-hmm. He was at this school one semester and 150 out of the 300 students signed a complaint about his behavior one semester a half of the students signed a complaint about his behavior the amount of damage you have to do Mm -hmm. to be called out to that level uh, especially at a christian university where i'd imagine there's some catering to gender norms and some allowance for misogyny no, half the student body was like, fuck this guy. Yeah. Um, and he just, yeah, he had this modus operandi with his Dodge Challenger where he would take them to the secluded areas, lock the doors, make these advances. And if they weren't into it, drive recklessly to the point of making them fear for their lives. Um, so <laughs> really, 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 really despicable behavior. Um obviously hopefully yeah and i'm glad it's getting called out it's um depressing he was elected um it's depressing there are a lot of people within his own party and i'm sure outside of his own party that don't see the big deal in it um but it is a big deal and it is disgusting and it is indicative of his character to be doing these things you know yes everyone makes mistakes but he he showed no culpability for it and he showed quite a pattern of behavior um of just predatory power play fucked up shit and we do not stand him yeah it's uh it's gross it's also pretty um, I think also indicative of his character. Well, there are a number of things. One that he actually turns out lied about. He kind of has this story, this narrative around his car accident and how it robbed him of being able to be at the Naval Academy and serve his country in that way. Well, when um, the deposition from 2017 was checked or there was some um, some fact checking into that, it turns out he'd already been rejected from the um, Naval mm. Academy. So that wasn't, you know, it's, it's sort of like he created kind of a story about himself. And then that was the story. He also pretty grotesquely um, basically said that his classmate and best friend at the time who was in the car accident with him basically left him there passed out to burn in the fiery rubble of the accident when in fact his friend dragged him out of it so dragged him out of the car it's like what are you like those lies are really he's an awful dude he's like and you look like he's very like quote-unquote conventionally western eurocentric attractive and you just know this you know this person from growing up you know who this person is oh yeah he's a very specific type of human being um very concerned with himself i'm not his psychiatrist i can't say if he's narcissistic or not but just this selfish disgusting misogynistic um i am the center of the universe i am either the victim or the savior it's just Mm -hmm. needing to control all the narratives and be wonderful all the time even in light of these allegations he's just (sighs) such a piece of shit um he also like he says he said things like, um, you know, when when BuzzFeed, I think, approached him, they, they did send him a detailed list of the allegations that they were going to report on um, the the uh, comment. The only comment that he gave was, I have never done anything sexually inappropriate in my life, which is like you and I were saying before we hit record, like we've all 
said something sexually inappropriate. I and mean, most people at some point have been inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he doth protest too much. Yeah, <laughs> like they say. Never. <laughs> and then that's even exposed. I mean, even though that's it sounds kind of like a bald-faced lie that we all kind of wink wink nudge nudge, we know it's wrong. It's proven wrong because he actually did text one of the women who accused him to apologize for kissing her against her will. Um that was on February 3rd, 2020, um, she she responded to what she like she thought was like an automated um, me- like message about his like donating to his campaign. And she said she wouldn't because she because he had um, assaulted her um, or her. Yeah. And so the apology text read, um, quote, I remember you and I went on a date to that campfire years ago. And remember, I asked you if I could kiss you. You said no, but I thought you were just being coy. And then I really, and then I really quickly kissed you. And that's all I remember. Um, I can see in hindsight how that was over the line. And I'm sorry. Anyways, if I ever made you uncomfortable or unsafe, I'm so sorry. That was never my intention. So he did send that text to someone who said you kissed me like without, you know, my consent. Um, so that means that he did. I mean, even in that one, there's one text admission, which by the way, it's like, I good for him for a good yay for an apology. Like we will take any acknowledgement that like, you're not crazy that I did kiss you against your will. Like that type of thing, at least I think for a lot of people is very helpful to coming to peace. It's like, you're admitting and you're apologizing. Yay. But so he's, he lies, lies, lies about all this stuff. His campaign manager, too, also Bach, who has been accused himself of um, sexual harassment and sexual assault, um, specifically by um, someone who said that he, this guy Bach, I forget what his first name is. Um, uh, Not the famous composer. <laughs> no, this guy. Not time to cancel Bach. <laughs> B-O-C-K. Uh, he, this is according to uh, BuzzFeed, said Bach himself uh, allegedly engaged in non-consensual physical contact, um, according to someone who's a current Republican intern at the Capitol. Um, her last name's Petrie. I have to find the rest of her name. But um, anyway, so these people are going on the record. She said that this guy, Bach, repeatedly pressed his body, first his arm and then later his genitals, against her while she slept at a house with friends after a pool party in 2016 that Cawthorn did not attend. She said she dodged the touches all night and told a friend who attended the party to sleep next to her specifically to keep this guy away from her. When she woke up though, in the middle of the night, it was his body that was pressed against hers, his arms wrapped around her. Um, So that kind of goes on and on, but it's just, and this guy is his community is Cawthorn's communications director. Um, And he said, quote, I don't think kissing someone is the equivalent of sexual assault in any context, which is. Wow. It is sexual assault. It is. It's just, I think we've been so, it's just this idea that if you're not like raped in an alley, that you're not a victim of sexual assault when, or a survivor of sexual assault, when in reality, it's like the. I think what people don't understand is when you're on the other end of these exchanges, the way, especially when you're a young woman finding mm-hmm. her way in the world, it it informs your self-esteem. It informs how you navigate the world. It informs how you think about yourself, but other men. It has these lasting implica- implications on top of just being unfair and fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. It hurts people, and it's and it's hard because it's 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 hard to articulate. I think to to certain men because they they just can't understand. It's just a kiss. It's just it's just that. But it's 
it's taking autonomy, bodily autonomy away from women. And if you kiss me without my consent, what else will you do without my consent? And if, if I quote unquote, let you kiss me, then will you stop? It's just kissing someone against their will is assault. Right. That's the end of it. Like you might not think it's as bad as this or as bad as that, but it's wrong and it's shitty and it doesn't, things don't have to be the worst version of themselves to be awful and to be unacceptable. And to be a violation of someone's space and their bodily autonomy and exactly a power play. Yeah. These kind of quote unquote everyday things that, that happen to women in the workplace and women in school and, and women everywhere are a big deal and they compound upon themselves. Um, and yeah, and they matter. And it's a big part of the inequality that exists today between, um, men and women. Um, yeah there's just an inherent power balance. And when that is taken advantage of people are hurt. Um, Mm -hmm. and if you can't understand why that is because you are the person in power, just like sit back and try and understand, I don't know what to tell them, but just don't do things to women against their will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a pretty simple piece of advice. Should be relatively easy to follow. Mm. Yeah. It's like everyone gets horny. Doesn't mean you need to like assault somebody. Yeah. You know? can go home and jerk one out. (laughs) It's all you have to do. Yeah. It's frustrating that there's such a consensus around this guy too, that he's just such a bad, bad actor. He's a bad, he's a bad dude. And um, it's uncomfortable that he's in Congress right now. It is. And I, it's, yeah. And I feel like part of it too, is just this, I, this thing, sometimes people infantilize people who are who have disabilities that involve them using assistive walking devices or wheelchairs. Um, and he, you can still be like, you're a fully well-rounded human being, whether you have a disability or not. And so I think this is an interesting example of like, this is a person who's living in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. a person with a disability who can still be an aggressor. Like, and of course this isn't me saying people with disabilities are aggressors more often than people who don't have disabilities. But I think sometimes we, we dehumanize people with disabilities and kind of touch them with kid gloves rather than just be like, we're all human beings and we are all capable of these things. And um, I, you know, maybe that was something that he, that gave him, I don't know, maybe he thought people would feel bad for him, or maybe he thought, oh, people won't see me as, as this or that. Um, mm-hmm. But any, anybody can be a, an aggressor or a victim, regardless of how they look or how they think, you know? Yeah, totally. Yes, that's so true. Um, uh, shall we move to uh, a, another? Andrew. Oh, Andrew. Whoa. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the, uh, the weird disclosure of inform- not non-disclosure of information regarding uh, deaths in nursing homes. We're going to no. talk about his sexual um, harassment allegations. Um, and we're going to start with Lindsay Boylan, um, who was a longtime aide of Andrew Cuomo. Um, and she has come out and spoken about a lot of things that he said and did, including um, an invitation to play strip poker when they're on a flight together. Mm-hmm. Um she said that at one point when she got up to leave and walked toward an open door, he stepped in front of her and kissed her on the lips. She was in shock, but she kept walking. Um, she said in her early days, her boss said that 
the governor had a quote unquote crush on her. Um, she said that Mr. Cuomo has gone out of his way to touch her on her lower back, arms and legs, um, that he invited her to her his office in 2016, um, where he showed her a cigar box that he said he this is just like oh, he received from Bill Clinton when he served in his administration, which is just like just and there was another where she said that uh, a top aide suggested that the governor thought she was the better looking sister of another woman and the aide in question said she was making the joke not coma whatever uh but it's just it is this uh this pattern of behavior in her um in her in her story of just really barreling through personal comfort Mm -hmm. personal bubble um, making sexual innuendos and jokes as if it's like fun workplace this or that when in reality it is predatory and gross and not what you want in the workplace Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and she was for my understanding the first person to come forward recently Um, yes that was my understanding too she kind of cracked the lid on this one um i think there had been like rumblings maybe earlier in november december um but she also like uh yeah but the idea that um cuomo said that he had a crush on her um really stuck with me because that is something I think that older men and I can say this from personal fucking experience and you I think can too it's something that like I think older men um do because they think it's kind of cutesy and it's acceptable because it's not they don't see that as harassment it's it's seen as like I have a schoolboy crush on you I can't help myself but like just FYI, you know, like I just, I've always, you know, it's, it's, it's so insidious and it's not okay. Like I'm here to say <laughs> you, if you are, I mean, in so many contexts, it's not okay. It's professionally to say you have a crush, but if you're an older man speaking to a younger staff member, you're never, yeah. never, no crushes, no no, no using of those words. No um, strip poker invitations. No, you know? no, and no touching. No touching on the arms, the legs, the back, the lower back. The lower. They love back. to touch the lower back, don't they? Oh my god, it's so gross. Like, yeah, the lower back sucks. The like legs are very intimate. It's like don't mm. touch. Just don't touch. Don't touch a person that you work with, probably mm-hmm. ever. Or, I mean, I, I think there's an asterisk. You have a close personal relationship and a friendship with them. Mm-hmm. And they, like, if you're a man and a woman coworker initiates a hug and it's, uh, you know, you've been friends for years. Like, yeah, sure. But it's like, you cannot be going to people who are your subordinates and initiating or going to anyone really and initiating this kind of thing. Like I understand workplace friendships are a thing. I've hugged many coworkers over mm-hmm. the years, but I've also been on the receipt. There's, you, you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? You know, if you're with a peer or if you're with a supervisor and you know, you know what the situation is. Um, and he was just kind of, it seemed like just kind of taking advantage of his position to, to just have fun, you know, to flirt around, but that's not what it is. You know, you are making somebody feel uncomfortable, vulnerable, like they have to oblige or maybe their jobs at risk, their livelihood, their career, their future. Mm -hmm. Um, All of that shit gets wrapped up in it when you are 
harassing your subordinates. So just don't do it. Um, yeah, she's not the only person who came forward. No, no. Um, Charlotte Bennett, bless you. Um, 25 year old former aide, um, accused him of sexual harassment. Um, when saying that um, Cuomo asked her about her sex life and whether or not she ever had sex with older men. Um, and he asked her if she thought age made a difference in romantic relationships. Um, and yeah, uh, that's gross. Um, I forget if this is the one. Oh yeah. So Cuomo responded and said that Miss Bennett was quote, a hardworking and valued member of his staff. And he respected her quote, right to speak out. Um, he said, I never made advances toward, towards Miss Bennett, nor did I ever intend to act in a way that was inappropriate. So I'm sure that by advances, like he's defining advances as like directly, like I didn't grab her tit, <laughs> like throwing her against a wall or something, you know, to ravish her, you know, it's like, I'm trying to think in his brain, like what constitutes, you know, um, being inappropriate <laughs> um so or making advances mm-hmm. but anyway so yeah i mean this kind of this seems this is again incredibly common like these like this is way less coy than the i have a crush on you or you know that type of talk this is mm-hmm. like explicitly talking yeah. about you literally know. asking have you had sex with older men yeah, it's not even an illusion at that point to yeah, what he wants. And, no, and she said, I understood that the governor wanted to sleep with me and felt horribly uncomfortable and scared and was wondering how I was going to get out of it and assumed it was the end of my job. Um, so it's like, even if we were to take him ha- at his word and he didn't mean any of this and he was just trying to be friendly or have fun or be flirty, it's like you are responsible for your actions. Yeah. You need to do better. Right. You need to stop with this like boys will be boys bullshit where we give grown ass men passes for behaving inappropriate, like grow up, behave appropriately. Like if you need to, if you have some weird energy to unleash, like find a consenting partner or like write yourself some fan fiction or something like you, you don't get to treat women and people this way. Um, yeah we're not your little sexual play things and no no not at all yeah um it's, it's not great and then we had anna rush who are you asian if it's rush or rook um but she met governor cuomo um at a wedding reception in 2019 in september um this is when we have a photo of it. So you can Google that. Um, yeah. But so he toasts the newlyweds. He's going around the room. And apparently when he comes to her, who is now 33 years old, um, <clears throat> he puts his hand on her lower back and she removes his hand with her hand, which is that in and of itself, like hand on lower back, she mm-hmm. removes it. That should be end of the story that should have been followed by a profuse apology right Um, but instead he said she seemed aggressive and put his hands on her cheeks and asked if he could kiss her and he asked her loudly (laughs) enough that her friend heard her yeah um there's a literal photo because photographers go to weddings right of him with his hands on her face and he could look at her face and how uncomfortable she is yeah just like oh i'm my life um and yeah, it was, and this was corroborated not just from that photo and other photos, but by 
the friends witness by text messages sent after like this has been quite corroborated mm-hmm. um and she said, I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice in his physical dominance over me at that moment. That's what infuriates me. And even with what I could do, removing his hand from my lower back, even doing that was not clear enough. And that resonates so much. It's like, mm-hmm. you don't, when you're in these situations, because a lot of, I think some people think, well, just get out of it or, say, you know, but it, when yeah. you're in a position with somebody who is physically and, or in some other way has power over you, it's not as simple as just... Like, I don't want this. And at the same time, she took his hand off her back. Right. You know? And he didn't take that. And he was, you know, he's the governor. <laughs> like, what do you do at a certain point? Um, and yeah, he said he released a statement and he said that some of his past interactions, uh, he's teased and bantered with his underlings being playful. Um, and that's been misconstrued. And he says he understands now his actions have been insensitive, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't mean to blah, blah, blah him as if it's not important that if he's genuinely apologizing and it's, it doesn't matter what I think. I I think he didn't, maybe didn't realize what he was doing. I think maybe he did. I have no idea, but it Mm -hmm. was, it's wrong. And it's a pattern of behavior that, um, at the very least he needs to reflect upon and and come out with a real, a real fucking apology about it. Um, Yeah. Because you know, we're not as much as the right loves to talk about how much we love cancel culture. <laughs> like, yeah, I think he needs to step down and I think he needs to yeah. figure his shit out. I'm not saying he can never return to public being a public figure or never return to any public life. But like at right. this moment in time, I do not think he should be in the role that he's in um, because his constituents are probably around half women. Yeah. And if you do not have the wherewithal to treat women appropriately in a one-on-one workplace interaction or appropriately when you're at a wedding, mm-hmm. how are you supposed to advocate for them when they yeah. make up the people you're supposed to be representing? It's no, no, it's no, it's, it's really, <laughs> these stories all just are so relatable because they're specific, right? Like everyone has these specific anecdotes, mm-hmm. they're specific phrases or touches or, and contexts that are so universally, I think, understood by women, um, to, to be like these just inappropriate moves that men make. I mean, um, I, don't remember if I told this the wedding anecdote on the pod before, but this like know if you've told on the pod before or not, but I think it's worth a retelling for those who haven't <laughs> for those who haven't heard. But you don't uh, have to. <laughs> no, tell yeah. us your chum. <laughs> um, this one was weird because it was my first job out of college, and um, I went to a wedding or like an after party of a wedding for a colleague slash friend, um, and by the. Uh, essentially like this older executive who was in his mid to late forties, uh, conservative. And, you were and I was 23. Yeah. I was tiny. Um, you know, he basically just, I got there and he was kind of like moth to a flame a little bit like, Oh, I'm gonna, this is, this is who I'm going to just like berate tonight. Um, making feel uncomfortable. Um, but at first I, I had no idea. Cause I really didn't see this person as threatening. I mean, you know, he'd always been really friendly to me in the office and, you know, it just 
I did not see him as a threat. And I think a lot, like there's this element that women feel where if you don't identify someone as a threat and then something happens, you feel partially responsible because you're like, mm-hmm. why didn't I know? It's like, well, because they have have a system down. I think a lot of these guys know how to get as far as they possibly can using whatever tools they have available to them. Yeah, and we're um, so focused on uh, like people pleasing. <laughs> yeah, and we're people pleasing. And like, yeah. So I, you know, this guy was like, oh, let me get you a drink. Like, what are, you know, what are you drinking? Let's do like, you know, let's have some more scotch, uh, straight. (laughs) It's just like, um, and you know, I was kind of looking around for other people to see like, okay, are any of my other work friends here so that I can, but it was kind of the end, just the context was like, it was the after party of the wedding. So it was later and people like people had left. Um, and, uh, I couldn't find anyone that I was like really comfortable kind of glomming onto. And so, you know, I tried to kind of deflect, the advances of this guy and you just try to kind of play it off, like play, play a little dumb, play a little like laughy and like try to change the subject. And, Mm -hmm. but he kind of started off by being like, Oh, that's a great outfit. Like, Oh, you look really pretty. Um, and then it just so quickly transitions into, you know, I've always had a crush on you. I've always had a crush on you. And and then what do you say? Like, it's a very cutesy sentiment. Um, yeah, it's like the meat cute setup of the rom-coms you're raised on. <laughs> right. And it's sort of like said in a way that makes you think like, I can't get mad at you for having a crush. Um, yeah. And then he, you know, uh, puts his hand on my leg in a super inappropriate way. And is, yeah, it was just bad. It was really, really um, upsetting to me. And at work, his office was right across from like the women's bathroom. So every single time I went to the bathroom, I was sort of like, you know, just feeling uncomfortable, uh, like for a long time. Um, I hope you shot so hard in front of his <laughs> office or his cubicle or whatever. And I hope that he smells you the day he dies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where the next day he texted something along the lines of like, sorry, if I got a little out of hand or something. I, by the way, hopefully you will, everyone will enjoy this, this bit, this tidbit. He, I put him in a cab basically. Cause he was getting pretty drunk. And I kind of mm. was like time for you to fucking leave. Um, and thankfully nothing like he wasn't violent or anything. It was just, just uncomfortable. So I got him in a cab and he hadn't closed out his tab. <laughs> um, so I, we were at this, it was a beer, beer house in Greenpoint. And I got like myself and my friend who came and was joining me. And by the time poor Julie is the first, <laughs> poor Julie, I know she, she did not know what she was walking into. By the time she got there, I was like in such a bad mood. Um, so thank you, Julie. Uh, but Shout so out. I, I bought us like hot dogs and beer on his tab and fry. I was just like, fuck you. I'm doing the Tina Fey thing. Like this is all on you tonight, bro. Mm -hmm. And then I told a coworker the whole thing because I was sort of confiding and (laughs) she, she was friends with this guy and like has apologized for this sort of sentiment that she expressed but she was like when I said yeah and I bought some hot dog like I bought some food on his tab she was like do two wrongs make a right and I was like um yes in this case um yeah. anyway I don't advocate stealing but like 
stealing back your dignity by a, I've done a it. <laughs> basket of fries. I think that's fine for the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went through a whole stealing from men who wronged me. <laughs> Nothing more than $20, but the corkscrews, this and that. The Bill Clinton corkscrew, right? Bill Cl- yeah. The mean man stole his Bill Clinton corkscrew. Mm. Yeah, and there was a guy who made me like, trying to make me sleep on like the floor, the couch after I sucked his dick. And he had like all these like Jesus things around. And I just, took, I just took cab fare from his wallet. That's getting left a tip for the cab driver. But yeah, no, it's when you're, even if it's like a social event, when it's like a workplace thing, it just dynamics shift because when you're, I mean, I'm not going to speak for every human being, but for me as a, maybe not young, I'm 30 now. I don't know when young woman ends. <laughs> as a young I'm still going to use the young woman. Um, <clears throat> on top of just, you, there's this, this sense that you need to really fucking prove yourself in any mm-hmm. job that you're in, um, that you need to show that you operate with logic and you know you're not at the whim of your fleety fancy emotions um and that you need to be accommodating otherwise you're a bitch still you know like all of these things that you need to sort of carry on your back and then when you're confronted with a sexual harassment or inappropriate workplace behavior it just it it makes that burden tenfold you know it's yeah it's it's too much um yeah, it's like my first real boss was when I was, I think I've told this story when I was 17 and 18 working in a summer camp. <sighs> he like really hit on me to the point where like when I wasn't like nice or fun back to him, though I was like 17 slash 18, who was in his mid forties, <sighs> he would just give me like the, the bad jobs, you know, and the shit to do. And he at one point said he was going to make a video for the summer camp and brought his mm. video camera and recorded us running on the beach. There was never a video oh, and great. You know, never a video. There's <laughs> footage of me 17 or 18 with my back in the day, big old titties flopping about. <laughs> oh my he's God. Probably still jerking off to them. I mean, though he's like probably 60 now or uh, 30 geez. or no, that's not how time works, but <laughs> It's unacceptable. Way, um, yeah, and it's like you and I look back on these times and it's just, I can close my eyes and I'm back there. It's like these these feeling, you, you mm-hmm. grow up and you you gain these skills and you gain this armor, but the feelings never go away. The experiences never go away. They don't, at least in my experience, they don't really, they harden me to some extent, but at the same time, they also build on each other in a way that weighs you down even further. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's incredibly difficult to deal with. And, you know, right now I don't have that problem at work because my four supervisors are all women. Oh, that's great. Like, so that's great. Like, yeah, this this is working really well. I'm just, I do a good job at work and I'm validated. Yeah. I have a good working relationship with everybody. It's wonderful. No one's harassing me. It's great. Not to say women can't harass people, but you know, real realistically and what happens more often it is men in position of power harassing women in the workplace. Um, yeah. And, you know, I like we're talking about how this is all on a spectrum, like the Cuomo and Cawthorn and um, allegations that have come up against Biden and Kavanaugh. You know, there's like all these men and there are lots of allegations and we owe it to ourselves, like as I think, like intellectually honest people and as and and as women and then, you know, and everything that we identify as to take each allegation very seriously and to look into it and have a real conversation about kind of what 
facts, you know, what, what, what is being said, what is being alleged, what's kind of really look into it. And there's no, um, you know, one thing that was super frustrating. And I think I had this pulled up for a second is, um, Oh, Lindsey Graham, um, a couple of days ago was saying to Democrats that they should quote, follow the Republican model when it comes to the allegations against Andrew Cuomo harassment. And that, as someone said on Twitter, is truly breathtaking. Like to to say that we should do what Republicans did, it's like Republicans resisted. This is um, I'm quoting, I think Andrew Rupar on Twitter. Republicans resisted an FBI investigation into sexual assault allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. Spent four years ignoring dozens of allegations against Donald Trump. To say nothing about Jim Jordan or Madison Cawthorn, who and Madison Cawthorn, by the way, was on Fox and Friends this morning. They didn't ask him anything about. Um, his sexual assault allegations, they only asked, they were talking about doc, the Dr. Seuss stupid cancel culture bullshit, bullshit fuckery that they thrive off of. But everything, like all this stuff exists on a spectrum. Like I think that there's, you're, we're all hardened by these experiences that happen to us, especially the ones that happen when you're young and impressionable and kind of mm-hmm. like, even when you think you're not naive, like I would not have considered 23 year old me naive. And yet, oh, me, I knew fucking everything (laughs) but like even and then even as we get older like things happen that are just they like in professional context like I I mean when I left that I was temping at a place for a while and I left that um and my boss who I really liked and would have continued to work for and really still respect and I I do think that this was just like a poor decision on his part. I don't, but it did make me feel extremely uncomfortable. And I think that like part of why we have to talk about these things are because I think lots of guys who are, who I, I do think like are good guys truly like in their hearts. And I think that they don't mean to overstep and they're trying to be friendly and they're a little bit clumsy and they grew up in a different time. There are lots of like reasons why you arrive at a like a weird decision um, that you wouldn't necessarily think is like you being kind of just an arm of the patriarchy or whatever. Like this guy, my boss at this other company um, on my go for going away. um, He was like saying a few words and like had everyone gathered around this like breakfast bagel buffet. And he started massaging my shoulders and it was like, oh my God, I just re- I could feel my cheeks turning red. And I was just like, you don't even understand. But like the, in this moment, I feel like everyone thinks that we are having sex. Like, I, I mean, that is what this- You're rubbing my shoulders. You're rubbing my shoulders yeah. in public. Like, oh my God. So, and it was so shocking because this guy, I didn't, I didn't, I really feel like he was not, I think it was- I think it was clumsy. I think it's something that a lot of people's like dads or grandparents who are nice would accidentally do. And they, you know, and not even think about it. And that sucks. That's why we should say like, don't massage, you know, you're anyone at work's shoulders in any context, even if you are fucking Unless you are a masseuse who is (laughs) visiting the office for a stress relief day. And then you may massage shoulders. Yes. I mean, and even as recently as last week, which I didn't even tell you this about this last week, got a call from someone who is a superior. And um, he said, what's up? Hot stuff. Oh, oh and I was just like, ah, again, like a very good person who I think has the best of intentions. And I don't want, wouldn't want anything negative to happen. 
Yeah. But so I most also, of the shit goes unreported, and I wouldn't report that either. He was clearly, you know, but like it was just clumsy. Yeah. But you also think like each time that happens, you're like, I feel a little weird and disrespected. And mm-hmm. now I have to navigate, like, do I call you out? I didn't. I just was like, I snorted, I think, into the phone or something. Cause you're just like, <laughs> yeah. <Chaos. laughs> That's a perfect response. <laughs> Everyone should do that or just scream. Yeah. <laughs> Get like an Ibex noise. The, what, like, oh, the Ibex, yes. <laughs> anyway. Well, it's, I think <sighs> a quick important thing to note. Um, when you think about the number, because I'm thinking about like the shoulder touches and things like that and how a even though I'm not straight, a woman friend of mine can touch me pretty much anywhere, not anywhere, but pretty much anywhere. And I'm not uncomfortable Yeah, but with men. Yeah. It's different. And I think when we look at the numbers of women who are sexually assaulted, even before they leave high school, even before they leave college, the women's, the women who are raped, um, that happens mm-hmm. to a lot of women. So when you think about that, and then you think about these quote unquote, you know, innocent touches, which even if you haven't been assaulted, they're not innocent, right. but the unwanted, the unconsenting advances of men, even if they're not literally raping you are still an invasion, which I feel like I've repeated a million times, but I just want to, to hit yeah. that point home because I think that, you know, and there's certain men I think too that will pay lip service to it, but in their hearts are like, ah, it's not that big of a deal though. But like it, it is, it is, you know, when you grow up feeling and then it's reinforced when you reach an age or people see you as a sexual being mm-hmm. that your body is your worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you need to please the people in your life, particularly men and not make a stir and not make a fuss. And then unwarranted sexual advances are happening in the workplace after all of those things happen in your life, I think that it becomes clear, like why this is such a big deal. Right. It just, it's just a big deal. It's like, what do you learn in kindergarten preschool? Like don't touch other people, you know, keep your hands to yourself. Like just fucking, just go by that basic rule and you should be okay. You know, it doesn't. And for Cuomo, it does feel like he, just got to a certain point, you know, and, and feels kind of invincible politically and socially. And, and, um, it felt like you could operate with impunity. And I think a lot of people in, in lots of industries feel that way. Media is not, you know, not the exception there. Uh, but it's really, it is not okay. Uh, yeah. So so. just think about, and I'm I'm sure I have hit on people or flirted with people who had no interest in me. I'm sure that has happened. But the reason I'm what's your uh, tell them I'm pretty. But catch tell them I'm pretty was good. And then I was telling someone recently about when you were like went up to someone. What and was, was like the other one? Was there another person who wasn't interested in me at all that wanted? No, it was just that you said like there are more. There's more than one. How many people did you go up to and say how about so the Titanic? Like, oh yeah. I what was the line through. exactly? I don't remember. I don't, rem- I don't remember exactly. I remember <laughs> trying on a whole lot of different fun banters. Um, 
yeah, one of them did involve the Titanic. Um, I wish it was like, would you share the door with me? But like, yeah. that wasn't it. it was, no, it was like, it was the like Titanic, so, huh? Titanic, huh? <laughs> like, literally, I think that was it. And just come up to someone in a bar, like, so how about the Titanic? <laughs> that went down. <laughs> how about you? I, again, I didn't say that. I wish I did. Um, you live and you learn. But that being said, it's like, I was never... I will, there are power dynamics that exist. When you are a, a man operating in this world, you need to be aware of the power that you hold and how, because of course we all have crushes and we all are attracted to people and we all want to flirt sometimes, but one, bring it out of the workplace yeah. to recognize who you are in that interaction. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you could ask someone out on a date, but if they say no, or if they're look at their body language, just move on. And if yeah. they're your you know, employee, don't ask them on a date. Right. You know, that's that's it. Just you know, don't you can, do you can it. Still flirt with human beings and have fun and touch each other's genitalia, but like with consent. <laughs> yeah, that's with it. consent, with consent, that's it. You know, enthusiastic consent. Titanic. Ask about the Titanic. You know, you could always try that and report also, back if it works. We'd love yeah. to know. <laughs> also, like circling back to my youth, why did I like? Why did I need to do that? <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know, but it was know. a hilarious pickup line. And then tell them I'm pretty. By the way, for the for the record, is because we. <laughs> oh, this is actually the same person who I stole money from for the cab because he made me sleep on the floor oh. because he wasn't into me. He, was, he thought you were attractive, and. <laughs> I was, and that made me decide I needed him because again, self-esteem. And so I literally turned to Maria in the bar and say, I was like 20. And I was like, he thinks you're pretty. So tell him I'm pretty. Just tell him I'm pretty. <laughs> that was my sad yeah. little baby solution. Um, he did. Anyway. I mean, you guys went home together. I mean, it went yeah, down, you know, downhill after that. Zero orgasms for me, <laughs> one for him. And I was supposed to sleep on the floor. Oh, God. So yeah. I'm really glad I vied for that man's attention. Ugh. I think the viv- I was that at Artica or something like I have this. Mm-hmm. I have. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, I don't. I don't remember the face of every man I've looked up with, but I remember his. <laughs> I don't remember his face so much. He was but... blonde. I never even touch. Oh. I never hook up with blonde people. I am blonde. Yeah. For anyone listening, <laughs> I'm not. I am blonde. You're blonde, but you you go for happens. you go for brunettes. Yeah. With with scruff, you're a scruffy lumberjack kind of gal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anywho, oh, about the Titanic. Goodness. Oh, that was, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Let's discuss the Titanic in a separate episode. We'll give you all the details. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just rewatched it. Excellent movie. Excellent. excellent. Did you rewatch it? I did just rewatch it. Oh my- because hilariously, um, a couple like Campbell had only seen it once and he really didn't remember it. And oh God. our other quarantine couple, um, ha- one of them hadn't seen it ever. And that was crazy to me. me. He. <laughs> oh my God, boys. I know he had never. Seen it. So I was like, ex- that, I could not get it out of my mind. I was like, we have to watch it. Cause I just am excited to relive this with you. <laughs> and he's never seen it. Never. That's, that's bonkers. Although he did pick up on, he knew more about it than Campbell who had seen it um, once okay. because it was like. Reference, cultural references maybe. Well, what now? I wish I could remember what the, oh paint me like one of your French girls basically came up and Campbell was like, is this where I was originally from? <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Um, and not only that, we had started it and he had been like, I don't like a few, a few minutes before we watched or maybe like an hour before he was like, I don't even, I don't feel like it. Or, you know, something kind of like me. You want to watch it, Dana, tonight. I don't feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe you'll like it. Maybe you don't remember as much as you think or something. And it starts. And he was like, oh, I truly don't remember there being anything modern day. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, it was like, have you, did you ever see it then? Because did you? I, I'm getting vibes. That, that movie was my sexual you know. awakening. Those two VHSs. <laughs> it's like quite literally. Yeah. Oh man. Between that and Simba on the bridge and Lion King, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway. But you're, you're alone there, but I'm sure I'm, other people. With I'm the not Simba on fully the alone there. I'm just, I'm, no. been, I'm not into animals. I'm trying to shame you. But he there's the confidence in him when he switched that maid <laughs> ah i loved it uh, loved it oh my gosh anyway <laughs> uh, the point is enthusiastic is consent whether you're simba or talking yeah. about the titanic at a bar yeah no matter who you are whether you're on a boat whether you're, you're you know <laughs> wherever you are know that <laughs> You'll be here in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My heart does go on <laughs> every night in my dreams. I see you. I feel you. All right. I'm going to stop. Oh, <laughs> wow. Well, now for we see you. <laughs> now, <laughs> reining it in. Bye. <laughs> Oh. All right, Representative Jim Jordan from Ohio. Yeah. So he called for a congressional investigation into cancel culture. Mm. Um, you might remember him from voting to overturn the 2020 election results after the January 6th Capitol riot. Mm. So love where he's coming from already. Um, in the letter that he, right. okay, his poor poor staffer wrote to the house judiciary uh chair he requesting requested a hearing to quote unquote address the scourge of cancel culture in the united states Ugh. a dangerous trend of silencing and censoring certain political speech we must fight this trend before it's too late my favorite tweet about this is didn't you guys cancel a speaker at cpac and fight to cancel kaepernick and fight to cancel other athletes at neil and fight to cancel protests and fight to cancel Keurig and fight to cancel liz cheney mm. yeah um so the problem here is that they don't have an issue with quote unquote canceling people because they will go out and be like, fuck them, boycott them. We don't want them because we don't agree with what they have to say, which I would argue is actually more of a cancel culture than what they're actually referring to, mm -hmm. which is what we've talked about, which is holding people accountable for bigoted viewpoints um, as we've spoken about. So yeah don't really we'll see how that goes um mm -hmm. but just wanted to call out that hypocrisy um as i saw it so we see you to jim jordan you are canceled um i hope they cancel your hearing then Whoa. what will you do <laughs> what will you do yeah we all just need to collectively I, I mean, I feel like with all the cancel culture stuff, like with CPAC, the uncanceling America, like just have to take deep breaths and realize that this feels like a like Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays type 
uh, fuckery. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really fuck. see people as individuals, but like hold people accountable. The end. Right, right. You do have freedom of speech, but we have the freedom to say that what you say sucks. Yeah, I'm, advertisers can pull their advertising if you are racist. So anyway, yeah. um. Yeah. So might we see you um, as the, we just had the 78th Golden Globe Awards of 2021 on Sunday. Um, So before the telecast, the um, Los Angeles Times had a long investigation raising questions about the Hollywood Foreign Press Association the group that puts on the Golden Globes um, and the makeup of its membership. Um, Basically calling out the fact that there's very little diversity in the ranks and it's a very small group of people who are even members to the Hollywood members of the Hollywood foreign press. Um, I think there's somewhere around like 80 ish people total who vote on all these awards for film and TV. And um, there are no black people as a part of this organization. And there hasn't been a single black person in 20 years they should decide what is best to consume. <laughs> um, yeah. So it just, it's super disturbing. Um, the head of the, I think it's what the president um, uh, of the HFPA, Theo Kingma, uh, said they're working to address the absence of black members in the voting body. Quote, it is something that we should give a serious look at. Times have changed, but sadly our bylaws don't change as quickly. It's like, ugh. Um don't really like know what that means. There's um, there's some renewed attention on a 2013 decision um, that the HFPA decided to reject a black applicant, um, British uh, based Samantha Afole Prince. Um, it was controversial in 2013, but we really kind of like the MPAA the ratings board in Hollywood. We don't know a lot about who those people are. It's not a super transparent body. Um, considering that the I'm HFPA. Like mine. Oh, ayo. I'm very white. Go ahead. <laughs> Water break. Um, yeah, basically like the HFPA, the, the Golden Globes are a huge kind of moment in Hollywood. Um, every award season, they kind of, tee up the Academy Awards. And it's always like a more quote unquote fun, a more fun atmosphere because the celebrities are all like TV and movie celebrities mixing and mingling and drinking. And it's kind of more of a raucous night. And there's like a little bit more interesting categories. Like there's comedy drama and um, just like mini series and just lots of different kind of opportunities for different celebrities to get recognized and for people who enjoy film and TV and you know, pop culture, it's like a fun night to kind of observe. Um, but it's really disturbing to me, at least. I mean, I, I, the Hollywood foreign press association, I mean, I don't, I don't know why I naively thought this was like a diverse coalition of international journalists or like, you know, or like media reporters. Um, I, it does seem really naive, but I, I, I am pretty stunned by the, the, the makeup of the HFPA. Um, and it really kind of colors the experience. It did, I didn't even watch cause I was kind of like, it, you know, it's a pandemic, which is more of the reason why I didn't watch in real time, but I was kind of also disgusted. It was just like, 
this makes sense now that you guys nominated like Mozart in the Jun- Jungle a couple of years ago for so many awards. Um, but more, and when I said that to Erin before we recorded, she was like, what are you talking about? So a but more- that's me, not you, girl. <laughs> no, I didn't watch it, but it was just everyone was confused by why that that show on Amazon won like a ton of awards when no one knew what it was. Um, but I think more relevant for this year, it, it helps explain or at least, yeah, I, I have a better understanding of why um, Emily in Paris got nominated for so many awards. When Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You got completely shut out. No recognition for that show, for her, for um, all of the ways in which it like broke boundaries and was just moving and funny and beautiful, beautiful. I mean, art is a generally a subjective medium by nature, but... I May Destroy You was like, I mean, as objective as possible, as objectively as possible, it was objectively one of the best pieces of, of drama. Um, one of the best TV shows of 2021 and of the decade, I'm sure it's going to be at the top of the list. So it was really disturbing that they were, she was completely ignored and that that show was completely ignored anyway. Um, <laughs> Jane Fonda, who was the uh, Cecil B. DeMille recipient this year, um, she had a Zoom roundtable where she was talking to members. And in a transcript that was leaked or given to the L.A. Times, uh, Jane Fonda, who's always been like over the decades and decades of her career, an ally to basically all marginalized groups in the environment. She always walks the walk. She said, I must say, get more women. I'm the only, this is the only, only the 17th time that a woman has won the career achievement award. And also we need to help you get more black members. And one of the members responded, they haven't applied and nobody wrote about that. (laughs) We're open to anybody as long as you're based in Southern California and write for an international magazine. The press never picked up on that. (laughs) Ooh. So it's like pretty hollow. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think the HFPA should be pretty ashamed of themselves. Um, They also, in what definitely was a bad look um, during the awards, even though it was probably just a technical error, um, Daniel Kaluuya, who won Best Actor in a Drama for Judas and the Black Messiah, which, by the way, was so good and depressing, but really good. Um, He plays Fred Hampton, um, a slain civil rights activist. Uh, anyway, he won and they like his audio cut out and he couldn't give his speech. And then when he got, you know, back able to give some type of speech, he was, he was like, you did me dirty, (laughs) um, which is totally fair. So HFPA, you're, you're kind of doing everyone dirty. Um, and, uh, the LA times saw you and now we see you. So Please change. You're seen. I You're apologize seen. for any sneezes that were heard. I was trying to go into my elbow. I can't. No. Let's get problem. to the screen quick enough to mute, but you know, we'll resolve all these issues one day. Luke Simons, hmm. a Republican state representative from North Dakota, Great. also a garbage human being. Um, and you know that because even the Republicans are calling for his resignation now. Which, like, uh, excuse me, didn't know that still happens anywhere. I, it's like, I don't even want to. I don't want to like poop on it too much because I want them to keep doing it. But it's also just like, okay, remember who did we talk about earlier, Carl? Yeah, him mm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, but Luke Simon. So he kind of came to 
anyone's um, consciousness last <laughs> week when in the cafeteria at the state capitol, um, when he was waiting in line for whatever they eat in the cafeteria at the state capitol, uh, Democratic state representative Carla Rose Hansen asked Luke to put a face mask on because he wasn't wearing a mask, but he was in line and he was within six feet of other people. Mm-hmm. Pretty fucking reasonable. Pretty reasonable. Um, but he yelled at her and told her great. to fuck off and said, you're not my fucking mother. Very, Mature. very great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm so worried about a woman in office and her emotional outbursts, I say time <laughs> and time again. Uh, after his shitty outburst, his sort of file was released to the public and we learned more things. Um, so a, a columnist had reported um a this file of incidents before involving Simons and the fact that he's restricted from working with some council staff, specifically women. So you had already had restrictions upon working with certain women. In, Love it. In life. <laughs> um, and also in this file that was released in 2018, um, according to a colleague, uh, he gave her a shoulder massage during a judiciary committee hearing. Oh my goodness. Uh, and at another time to the same, the same woman began telling her a story about shopping for thongs and joked that he also wore thongs during a work related call. Um, cool. Great workplace. Uh, great, 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 great. Um, another incident. He brought up what another woman described as an inappropriate example during a work conversation on legal issues and what that means is he said what does immune from liability mean like if you were in a car accident and i came up on the scene and you were lying on the side of the road if i took your shirt off to administer aid to a wound i wouldn't be guilty of sexual harassment okay, oh, okay. normal things to say yeah <laughs> great 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 and then he compared women to horses okay uh, and said you know thoroughbreds they just have that hungry look in their eye like some women Oh, according to the woman that he was talking to, she was extremely uncomfortable. I am shocked. Shocking. I can imagine being uncomfortable when a man says thoroughbreds have a hungry look in their eye like you. Okay. Okay, great. And in one last incident I'll mention from (laughs) January, uh, Simons allegedly told an intern that he would like to put his hands in her hair and that he could tell a lot about a woman based on her hair and that she wouldn't want more hair because then she would look Chinese or Indian. Okay. So he rounds it out with some racism, um, which is great. Just a real piece of shit. Again, uh, Republicans are calling on him to resign, which claps. I I Okay, Yay. I take yeah. this. Um, yeah. That's also quite a record, quite a file of shit within the, like, I think the oldest allegations from 2018. Wow. Um, very, very recent stuff here. So yeah, don't compare women to horses. Don't <laughs> make, you know, racist jokes toward mm. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't tell them to fuck off when they ask you to wear a mask <laughs> during a pandemic. Don't talk about thongs on a work call. More things we've learned. God, it's a learned. huge long list how do how are they expected to <laughs> how can they remember don't compare them to horses <sighs> what's uh. next honestly we see you <laughs> luke simons nay <sighs> to you oh my gosh we see you um 
So Minari, and this is in keeping with an HFPA theme for a bit or at the Golden Globes. Um, Minari is a movie that's semi-autobiographical about a Korean-American family uh, seeking the American dream in rural Arkansas in the 1980s. Um, and it won Best Foreign Language Film at the Golden Globes on Sunday night. Um, very exciting to win, but uh it's in the foreign language film category, which is raising some eyebrows. Now, it's worth noting that the film's distributor, A24, submitted Minari in the foreign language category. Um, but it just sort of rubs people the wrong way, considering that it's an American movie um, about Americans in America. Uh, like it's when let me just foreign say, film. <laughs> so bizarre. Um yeah, it the Atlantic says um, you know, the Golden Globes, the the decision to place Minari, um, an American pastoral in its in its foreign language category only underscores the continual unbelonging of Asian Americans. Um and it's just something that I wanted to call out too, especially considering that Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards didn't meet the English language requirements either um, at the Golden Globes, but was nominated for Best Picture. Um, Wait, what's and, the difference between these films? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, we're talking about a an American film where Korean is spoken, but I thought that um, the... Um, director said really well, you know, maybe the positive side of all this is that we've made a film that challenges some of those existing categories and adds to the idea that the American film might look and sound very differently from what we're used to. It's hard to say I demand a seat at the table for best picture, <laughs> which like, that's a cute way to kind of put it. I mean, it, it's, it's a powerful way to put it in the first part and then kind of cute, a cute little ending. Like you don't want to be saying like, put us in best picture. But again, if you're a, an, a, um, a critically acclaimed drama of the season, it is totally reasonable for you to be considered amongst the like best picture dramas at the golden globe. So, you know, you can go ahead and demand a seat at that table. If it's just a difference between putting you in the category of best film, best picture or best foreign language film. Um, so yeah, so this was just a little, um, we see you to, uh, I guess just a combo of A24, the distributor and, uh, the Golden Globes. Let's just, let's just be better. Let's, let's tighten up what, what the definition of a foreign language film actually means. And then we can yeah. move forward. Um, but in the meantime, it's a little embarrassing. Yeah. You can, people in America speak other languages. So, yeah. Um, that happens in Americans, you know. Great. Uh, speaking of America, uh, <laughs> Texas and Mississippi. Oh, yeah. I'm not seeing the whole states. There are plenty of people in those states. Um, I did want to, I didn't find a way to, I didn't segue it in here, but I did want to make the joke M I S S I P P, M I S S I S S S I P P Y. Nice. Really glad I fumbled and worked that in there hard, but uh, Mississippi and Texas. Uh, today decided to lift several mandates um, after. So CDC director, Dr. Walensky, 
said that state officials should not lift restrictions too quickly. And then after that, um, the executive order, Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves Mm. uh, ended their mask mandates. And in Texas, all businesses will be allowed to open at 100% capacity, no restrictions. In Mississippi, almost every business will be doing the exact same thing. This is short-sighted nonsense. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes me so angry and sad. And again, like we can prevent deaths, we can prevent illnesses. And why are we doing this? Um, While cases have been reducing in numbers, that is happening in a lot of places throughout this country. Vaccines are helping. Those are both true things. But one, those reductions have stalled last week. And even if they hadn't, we have variants coming in hot. And as mutations continue, we don't know how that's going to impact vaccine efficacy over time, when we're going to need booster shots. What we, we don't know. And if we wait just a bit longer till we have enough vaccinations for everybody and mutations can't be spreading around... Oh, it would be so wonderful. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not waiting a single moment. They've decided in Texas and Mississippi, and there are other states that have done away with their mask mandates as well, but they've decided let's just open everything 100%, see what happens, um, which, I mean, is can potentially have devastating impacts, not only on those states, but in this entire country. Um, other states can try to enforce um, mandates about traveling from other states, not all states are going to do that. If with these states doing this, it is for sure going to cause more cases and more deaths. And yeah. it's it's unconscionable, especially, I mean, the mask piece. It's just, it's, we, we know we have data on the efficacy of masks. We know that they're close to as effective as a lot of vaccines um, mm-hmm. when worn correctly and appropriately. Um, yeah. And it doesn't hurt. No business is closed because you're wearing a mask. No, like no argument that anyone is making exists for not wearing masks right now. Mm-hmm. So that just feels like an extra little gut punch. Like I understand the argument of businesses need to open, businesses are dying, but well, yeah, people are also dying. Um, and also to that note, I would say county by county, depending on your case rate, move forward and then move forward and then move forward again. And then we can all be at a hundred percent capacity one day. Yeah. But if, if people like these governors and keep acting this way so selfishly, it's quite literally going to be the end of us all. Um, so a big Texas size, we see you uh, yeah. to these governors. Um, I mean, yeah, enjoy your, your power grid, Texas and doing all of this shit. Like you're, you're hurting the people of your state, you're hurting the people of the country and you're hurting the people of this world. So do better. Yeah. Both of those governors. Um, fucking everybody wear your masks, please, at the very least. Yeah. Ugh, a hearty, are they? hearty, we see you to those people. To those, Ugh. I mean, just, yeah, those governors. My God. Yes. Okay. Well, um, we see you to Paula Jean Swearingen. Um, she was a U.S. Senate candidate in West Virginia. She's actually a liberal liberal candidate. She tried to primary Joe Manchin, which I fully support. Um, and before that, she was featured in the um, uh, bringing down the house or knocking down the house, uh, the documentary that included Cory Bush and AOC um, and t- sort of followed four women in their quest to primary their other more moderate democratic opponents, which is a great documentary. I highly recommend. Um, 
in the documentary, only AOC uh, wins her primary. And they had no idea who was going to win or if anyone was. So it was really fascinating. And this woman, Paula Jean, was, I found her inspiring. I, um, it's a bummer that she hasn't been able to kind of like pick up steam in West Virginia. However, <laughs> I was super frustrated yesterday to see her tweet. Um, she tweeted, quote, after weeding through trolls, what has AOC done for BNC candidates that got her elected? We can argue until the cows come home, but none of y'all have access to her, no more than the ones of us that helped her get elected. Now, that just really bummed me out for a number of reasons. I We put so much on the shoulders of AOC um, from the right and the left and the moderates, and like the world is on her shoulders. She represents everything that the Republicans, they use her as an avatar for everything that they hate, maybe more than Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton at this point, who knows? Um, because she really, she scares them in her power, but you know, she's also very triggering for the, I would say, right-wing snowflakes. Um, but, you know, she is one person. If you're criticizing her from the left, she's doing the absolute best she can in a toxic political climate where moderate dem Democrats barely control the agenda and shape national priorities. And by the way, barely. I'm saying like they, in a best case scenario, we are going to get a white bread Joe Manchin and uh, Joe Biden sandwich here. Like it's not going to be, we're not getting a lot of what we want um, this is what happened when Joe Biden became the candidate. We knew we were going to have to really push him from the left. Anyway, I am super disappointed to see um, this like fellow liberal candidate sniping at AOC's heels. It's unacceptable to me, especially in an off it's it's off election cycles. What what are you trying? What are you hoping to gain by just calling her out on Twitter because she's not giving you access to her. She's doing her job. And she's was in Texas raising $4 million last week for while, while the rest of while the elected officials of Texas were not doing shit except repealing mass mandates and going to Cancun. Busy. Like she, busy boys. You know, she is she is out there. She bears her soul on Instagram. She is pushing. She is like she is very visibly, you know, she didn't go to the um, inauguration of Joe Biden because she was standing with union workers in Queens, like for one of their strikes on the picket line. So she is doing what she can. I also bristle a little bit on AOC's behalf at just like, we don't have access um, no more than the ones of us that helped her get elected. Now, I understand AOC was part of a group of women and um, other candidates from the, the left were, rec you know, recruited. Um, there was an organization, I'm blanking on the name right now, but they kind of helped train these candidates and cultivate them so that they could run um, with a liberal set of priorities. Um, I... I don't, you know, AOC though, put in the work in a way that I, I just, this woman is a candidate from West Virginia. AOC was a candidate in Bronx and, and Queens and she pounded the pavement. She got out there. I mean, she showed us like her shoes that she had to basically retire where, that were just totally worn through. She it is like absolutely undeniable that she did the work locally to spread awareness and to topple her super well-known seven term incumbent at that point. Um, so I just thought it was like, it was disrespectful. It came off as snipey, petty, unnecessary and zooming out. It's like, you're only, what are you trying to do weaken AOC so that like 
she loses or so that you, you're you're going to give more fodder to the GOP? I mean, what is the goal here? Yeah. Think it through. So Paula Jean, come on, man. Like I, I want you to win. I'm rooting for you. I prefer you over Joe Manchin for sure. But let's not get petty. There's no reason for it. We see you. Yeah, no, no reason whatsoever. AOC is great. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like her avenging angel on Twitter. <laughs> she doesn't leave, need me. Leave AOC alone. Yeah, like, like honestly, leave her fucking leave her alone. alone. Let her do her job. Also, are you excited about Andrew Yang's run? We haven't talked about this at all. Oh yeah, we haven't. Um, Do you have any thoughts? I have like mixed thoughts. I'm very. I I want him to be in a position of power. Mm -hmm. He's going to all. He's doing a lot of groundwork. He is, but he keeps like he keeps like bothering New York Twitter, which is so funny, so funny. They're like, that's not a bodega. (laughs) The most recent thing was like yesterday. He tweeted something on the. He was like, I'm on the A train, like Bronx bound, and New York flipped out and was like, the A train doesn't go to the fucking Bronx. Where are you? (laughs) To be fair, you can transfer to the D at 125th. It does. Like it's on yeah. route to the Bronx, but yes. Yeah, so maybe these people <laughs> complaining don't know New York as well as they think they do. Yeah. I just, anyway, I, he's I, trying real hard, he's I trying real hard. And I love, I do love him still. And I think he's great I do yeah. I'm here for it. And then need to bring this into the whole conversation. We'll talk about him later. We but should, we, we should. AOC's ground game. I was just thinking about the things I've seen lately with Andrew Yang and how he's really like, knocking every motherfucking door it seems like um, yeah yeah i'm really interested well we'll have that cynthia nixon's run didn't go better but i know maybe we'll, she could we'll always have <laughs> always have miranda we'll always yeah i know she could maybe take over for cuomo when he resigns lol mm-hmm. maybe go by mm-hmm. and chris cuomo's not interviewing him or talking about it which i think is fine but some people are pissed about it I mean, I what do you want him to say? It's yeah. a conflict of interest and they have like policy in place around it. It's fine. Yeah, I'm um, I'm happier with that than like some weird, you know, just. Yeah, what kind of, what like go on his, sh- go on your brother's show. Let's talk about it here. Like there's yeah. plenty, it's it's quite an active news network. They have plenty of time to talk about it. Yeah. Um, good thing. Um, well, one, a bunch of turtles were released to the sea. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> That is a good thing. That is a yes. good thing. Over 2,000 turtles. Oh, wow. Were, were rescued and rehabilitated and released to the sea. And you can watch a video of them being like, it's like a slide into the ocean. Oh. You just throw, throw them down. Oh, maybe I did see that. Did you send that to me? Maybe. Um, maybe yes, maybe no. But you also had one. I just... Um, good thing. A couple good things. Yeah. The good thing is that... Um, Chloe Zhao, uh, the director of uh, Nomadland, won Best Director at the uh, Golden Globes on Sunday. And that's a that's a good thing and a big deal because um, she's not only like the first woman of um, Asian descent um, to win, but she's only the second woman ever to win the award. Um, and that's embarrassing because like for a number of reasons and just file that under like things the HFPA should be like working on really you know, post haste, but, um, the only other person to win was Barbara Streisand in 1984 for Yentl for directing Yentl. Which I think was almost 40 years ago. (laughs) Like, yeah. 
Um, so that's an issue, but yeah, so that's a good thing. Um, also Frances McDormand won or no, she didn't win. Sorry, but, um, Nomadland won best, um, motion picture drama. Um, and it was a beautiful film and it was like, just, I don't know. It was, it was a quite lovely film that, um, I think people should see and, um, not just, see. not just to support like women directors, but because it was a good film. And this is, you know, this was the year we, I think I made this a good thing in another, <laughs> another good thing, but three women were nominated this year for best director, which is huge just in terms of like, let's get more women up there. Um, their work being recognized Emerald Fennell for promising young woman and Regina Hall for, um, one night in Miami. So that's good. Let's keep doing that. Um, it will forever be ridiculous to me that, um, oh my gosh, now I'm like forever ridiculous. I can't remember her name. Greta Gerwig, um, didn't win best director for little women. Come on. That was best direction. If I've ever seen it, <laughs> she lives for it. The amount of little women literatica. <laughs> Wait, oh my God. Little women literatica. Yeah. There has to be a subgenre. I don't know. Not of them, not them together. Jesus Christ. I just, but like, I don't know. Little... There's no like men in there. That... I don't know. Maybe they're just doing it themselves and be like, I don't know, man. I, I didn't need to <laughs> pretend that never happened. <laughs> I just heard little and literatica and I thought maybe there's an opportunity here, but yeah. Hmm. You know, not only maybe for your um first for novel, my, your what? your erotic novel. Oh, I am going to write an erotic novel. Mm-hmm. Is literally the only thing on my bucket list. Uh maybe this is inspiration. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Whenever I I do, I'm going to troll you somehow with it. Great. Looking forward to that. (laughs) Not in a way that like upsets you or makes you uncomfortable, (laughs) but just in a way where you're like, oh, you. (laughs) You scamp. You scallywag. (laughs) Yeah. So look out for my literatica launching. um, (laughs) TBD. Probably 2050, honestly. (laughs) I feel like that's my, I've always felt like my midlife crisis is going to be regional theater. Mm. It might be, it might be this or maybe both or maybe, maybe both. regional theater based off of my erotic novel. Whoa. One woman show. Here you go. I've got goals. <laughs> wow. Does my vagina have a monologue? It's called Nanette. V2. <laughs> V2 featuring HPV. <laughs> oh, fun, oh. fun, fun. All right, should we leave it there? I think it's a great place to leave it. <laughs> place. I hope everybody has a wonderful, blessed week. Um, yeah. We'll be back real soon. 